Hello, my name is Donnie Smith, and I'm the pastor here at Ascension Christian Center in Apopka, Florida. I hope this message changes, impacts, and challenges you in your relationship with Jesus Christ. If you enjoy the message, you can connect with us on our website, Facebook, or Instagram at Ascension Christian Center. Thank you, and enjoy. You know, I used to listen to lots of preaching. I still do. I've listened to thousands of messages, grew up in a lot of different movements in the church. There's all different kinds of movements. You've got Presbyterians, you've got Pentecostals, you have Lutheran, you have Baptists. I'm what you call a Bapticostal, okay? So I'm kind of a, a, a spiritual mutt, if you will. There's all kinds of mixes going on there. You, one day you may come in here and see me ministering like a, like a Pentecostal and, um, you know, speaking in tongues and falling out in the Holy Ghost and all kinds of things happening. Next service might be Baptist preaching. I might be, you know, preaching hell, brimstone, fire. And then I might be like one of God's frozen chosen, like one of those, uh, what do we call them? Um, you know, I don't want to name the denomination, but I call them God's frozen chosen. And they just, you know, just minister the word of the Lord very softly. Bless you. God bless. You're not going to hell. Everybody's going to heaven. All included. Um, no. Um, but I believe people need to learn to laugh. People need to learn to, you know, Christians are some of the most um, unhappy people. You would think that Christians would be the most joyful people. So I grew up in this movement like, hey, if you blab it, you grab it. If you confess it, you can possess it. If you pray hard enough, you won't go with any hardship. If you read your Bible enough, God will protect everything. You will never lose your job. Your finances will all be intact. You'll be great. If you pray enough with your wife or your spouse, if you pray enough with your husband, your marriage will never grow and undergo an attack. You'll always be in perfect unity. Bless the Lord, always in perfect unity. Amen. Has anybody ever felt that way? I've always been trained and, and to think that if I were to get close enough to God, maybe I can earn his favor enough that I won't go through any hardship. No hard times. Devil won't attack my house. If I pray in tongues enough, God will protect me. He'll put a shield of protection around me. Nothing will ever go wrong in my life. And you know, I don't personally uh, believe that anymore. I used to believe that because I've lived long enough, 15 years now walking with the Lord. I have finally found out that no matter how much I read my Bible, no matter how much I pray, no matter how much I fast, no matter how much I pray with my wife, there is going to come a time and a season of your life where you run into a valley that no prayer, no amount of Bible reading, no amount of pastor, pastoral advice is going to extract you from the season that God allows in your life. Amen? I don't only personally think it's uh, just dangerous thinking. Um, it's not scriptural at all. You know, in John uh, chapter 16, verse 33, it says this. I want you to read it with me. And this is Jesus speaking. It's written in red. It won't be in red on the screen, but it says, these things I've spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. This is Jesus saying, hey, listen, you're gonna go through trouble. You're gonna go through times and seasons of your lives where everything is not tiptoe through the tulips. Amen? There's gonna be times that you're gonna go through seasons of your life that you just cannot get out of. No matter how much you fast, you pray, you read your word, God has either chosen this or situations, simply life just happens and you go through a season that is simply difficult. You know, you can't even drive through Orlando. I mean, Florida's one of the flattest states, I believe, and there's others that are flatter, but one minute you're driving, you're driving up a hill in an elevated area, and the next minute you're in a low-lying area. 
Life does that. Life is filled with mountain high experiences. One minute and valley lows the next. It's simply life. There's a few different places you're probably at at this point in your life. You're either in the valley, say in the valley, or you're on your way out of the valley, making your way to the top of the hill or the top of your mountain, or you're actually on the mountaintop, or you're leaving the mountaintop and on your way back down the mountain, back into another valley. Life is filled with mountain peak experiences and valley low experiences, up and down. You know, I've experienced, I would say most of my life has been more valley-like than anything. I have to be honest with you. I wonder sometimes if the reason some of my family comes here is because they have no clue why I survived some of the valleys that I've been through, and they're just here to see what's to come of all of this. (laughs) You know, I, I often wonder if my attitude had anything to do with the length of time I've been in my valleys. You know, the first Sunday I I ministered about Moses and it was um, entitled Developing in the Desert. How many remember that? And I talked about how Moses ran from Egypt, ran from his calling, the calling that God had put on his life. And he was in the wilderness for 40 years, 40, 40 years backslidden from God, the backslidden preacher of the Old Testament, 40 years. And then you have Jesus who went through a wilderness experience. He was fasting. He was praying. And the Bible says that he was only in the wilderness for 40 days. So what does that tell me? Our attitude while we're in the valleys of life have a lot to do with the amount of time that we end up or stay in the valley. Amen? And that's simply why I'm entitling this message, Finding Joy in Your Valley. I want everybody to say that. Finding Joy in the valley. When you evaluate your life this morning, would you be, would you label yourself a joyful person? I almost said joyful Christian, but I'm careful about saying Christian these days. People ask me if I'm a Christian. In my mind, I would like to think, yeah, I'm a Christian, but the way that other people look at Christians these days, I I don't know if I want to, you know, be labeled as a Christian. When they ask me that, I want to say, well, what do you think a Christian is first and foremost before I answer that? (laughs) Because if you mean a sour person or an angry person who just shows up on Sunday, a person who reads their Bibles, that's that's probably not me. But if you mean a person who goes to church, they read the word of God, they revere God, they involve God in every aspect in their lives, and they actually enjoy doing it, then yes, I'm a Christian. Are you a Christian this morning? And do you have the joy of the Lord? Or is your life filled with up and downs? Happy one minute? Down the next minute. I think people get the two words happiness and joy totally mixed up. You know, happiness is circumstantial. Joy, it's a choice. And it's constant. Happiness says this. If this goes well, I'll be all right. I'll be happy. Joy says this. If hell or high water comes, I'm going to choose joy. Amen? In James chapter one, verse two through four, it says this, my brethren, count it all joy. Everybody say, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, but let patience perfect work. Let let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Count it all joy. You know what the message Bible says? 
And we, we won't have this up on the screen, but this is the New King James I typically read out of. And I hope you read along with me. I hope you brought your Bibles. If you haven't brought your Bibles and you have a mobile device, uh, you can simply log in, go to your settings, and it's Kingdom Come if you would like to receive Wi-Fi on your phone. But in the Message Bible, it says this. Consider it a sheer gift, friends. He doesn't say count it all joy. He says, consider it a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. That feels like my life right now. You would think as a minister of the gospel, you think, man, he's preaching. He's always excited. He's always joyful. He must not be going through anything. That couldn't be the exact opposite. As a matter of fact, when you stand on the front line, you open the doors to a whole lot of things, a whole lot of attacks. And so while you're, I call it leading while you're bleeding. So while I'm bleeding, I'm leading sheep, I'm combing them, and I'm trying to keep the blood from leaking on them. So I'm hurting myself, and, and many times, that, that, you know, ministering in a church or, you know, just daily life or just being a minister opens up the door to the enemy. The enemy wants to attack you. He doesn't want this to succeed. He doesn't want me to succeed. So I, I understand what valleys feel like. Amen? But he says, consider this a sheer gift, friends, when tests and challenges come at you from all sides. You know that under pressure, your faith, your faith life is forced into open and shows its true colors. So don't try to get out of anything prematurely. Let it do, let it, do its work so you become mature and well-developed, not deficient in any way. And I think there are several ways that a person can become joyful in a season of their life where they're finding themselves in the deepest valley of their life. Point number one, valleys are profitable. Somebody say they're profitable. Valleys are profitable. They, they, they are doing something. God is working something in you so he can work something out of you. Amen? They add to you. They don't take away. They're God's training ground. Valleys are God's training ground. You know, I thought about King David. How many know who King David is? King David was a shepherd boy, possibly a teenager at the time in the Old Testament. And they say that the Bible says that he would uh, look over the sheep in a valley because that's generally where sheep were in either open fields or valleys, because valleys, you were able to uh, um, contain them easier in valleys. There were less escape routes. And you know what David would do? Everybody knows David as this big giant slayer. Is that what you remember him as? The guy who killed Goliath, not knowing that he killed a lion and a bear first before he ever met Goliath. So what that's telling me is that the valley of life that he was in for many years, possibly, David was in the valley practicing with his rock. Practice. The valleys of your life are training grounds for greatness. It's God training you to prepare you. I like to say it like this, training for reigning. So he would be back on the backside of the desert or the backside of those valleys. And the Bible says that he first killed um, a lion with a rock. Because why would God give you a giant if you have not killed a lion? So when you're in the valleys of life, they're training ground to prepare you for something that's much greater that's ahead of you. If God were to give you your life's giant too soon, it could kill your destiny. And you may not be prepared for what lie ahead. But God will reveal to you your purposes and he will, he will give you... Um, he will give you chances to defeat small things before he gives you big things to defeat. Amen? And so valleys are training grounds for God to prepare you for something that's much greater. Say training ground. Valleys often bring out the champion 
in you. I don't know, you know, I, I don't know if I'll use this example. Training ground brings the champion out of you. Valleys bring the champion out of you. It brings the fight out of you. Some people either fight or flight, but how many are in a valley in season in your life that you can't get out of? Isn't it funny how go, <laughs> my son's in a valley right now. It will bring the champion out in you. It will bring the fight out in you. Difficult situations have a way of drawing out the best in a person. So this is a way that you can find joy in your valley. And sometimes valleys come in different forms, different fashions. Unfortunately, people go through marital valleys. Some people go through financial valleys. Some people are at the last phase and last chapter of their life, and their valley is this. What's next? Some people go through valleys where they just don't know what to do next. It's not necessarily something bad that's happening. It's that maybe they don't know what the next chapter of their life is going to look like. And they feel stuck. Sometimes valleys just have you simply stuck. Some valleys, people are battling with health issues. But no matter what your valley is, God wants to use that valley and extract, extract joy out of you because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And he will often use those challenges, use those difficult times in a, in, a, in a person's life to bring out the very best in them, not the worst in them. Unfortunately, many valleys have a way of bringing out the worst in people. <laughs> the worst. Is the valley of your life bringing the best or the worst out of you? Valleys will grow your faith and stretch you. Now, I know you can't tell, but I like to work out. I've seen if you're awake. I know you can't tell. Me and my friend Sean, he's a pretty buff guy. I don't like going to the gym with him because then he shows off and makes me feel bad about myself. Because when I work out with him, he really challenges me. Because I've hit this plateau in my workout regiments where I'm not really seeing any perpetual growth. I'm not really seeing any changes. My diet, you know, kind of fluctuates. I think the reason is because I really like chicken wings. Don't judge me. <laughs> my son is outspoken. I don't know where he got it from. But one thing, one thing I found out when working out, and my brother likes to work out a lot. My oldest brother, Daniel, he... Um, He's seen a lot of results, but he's changed his regimen up a whole lot, changed his diet. But one thing I found is that muscles will not grow unless they're put under extreme tension. Because if it fires to the body and says, hey, I need to create and generate more growth in this body because it's putting me under pressure. The physical body will not grow unless it's put under pressure and your spiritual life will not grow in your walk with Christ until it is tried by fire and you're put under pressure. Amen. That's when you see growth. That's when you see the best come out of you. This is what valleys do. They make champions out of people. Amen. In Philippians 4, 4, I want you to read this with me. It will be up on the screen. Um, I'm going to go there. Actually, Philippians 4, 4. It's like in the middle of your Bible. So it's in the New Testament, if that helps you. Philippians 4, 4. Is everybody okay this morning? Yes. Don't fall asleep on me. We're going somewhere. I'm just painting a picture. Philippians 4, verse 4. And it says this simply. 
Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. I want you to all read that with me on three. One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Now, this scripture really stood out to me. You can see why, because it's got so much depth. I'm being sarcastic. It really, it really doesn't have much depth at all. It just says rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. But here's what stood out to me. I did the history on where this was written. Do you know where this was written? It was from the Apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament in a jail. He was in a jail cell, possibly hunched over. It's validated in um, the first chapter of Philippians in verse 12 through 14. Here's what it says. So I backtracked and I found out where he was. He says, I want to report to you, friends, that my imprisonment here has had the opposite of its intended effect. Instead of being squelched, the message has actually prospered. All the soldiers are here and everyone else too found out that in jail, I'm in jail because of this Christ, the Messiah. That piqued their curiosity and now they've all learned about him. Not only that, but most of the followers of Jesus here have become far more sure of themselves in the faith than ever. Speaking out of, uh, speaking fearlessly about God and about the Messiah. Point number two. Valleys provide a choice. You can't choose your valley, but you can choose your attitude in the valley. This guy is, is telling us to rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. And yet this guy is hunched over in a jail cell, writing scriptures, writing verses to a church. He's encouraging people in a place where he should be discouraged. But you can find joy in knowing that you may not have the choice to choose what your valley looks like but you have the choice of your attitude in the valley. I want you to all say this. I have a choice. I have a choice. Y'all smile at me. This is a joy message. Smile. Let me see y'all's pretty smiles. You know, having a poor attitude in a valley can only make, make a valley worse. I've never seen you have a person, including myself, having a poor attitude change my situation. But I have seen my attitude when I've chosen joy, it changed my situation. Don't let what's in the valley get into you. Let what's in you get in the valley. This separates Christians from Christians. I meant to say real. People who are filled with the Holy Spirit, filled with the joy of the Lord. That's why the Bible says the joy of the Lord is my strength. It's the muscle of your Christian walk. Joy. Why is it the muscle of your Christian walk? Because it's the strength that can sustain you long term. Because the guarantee is, is you're going to have a valley. If you live long enough, you're going to go through a valley. If you stayed married to your spouse long enough, you're going to have a valley. Can all the married people say amen? If you work long enough and you pay bills long enough, you're going to run into a ditch or a valley financially. If you live long enough, you may just end up battling with a health, a health issue. That's a valley. If you live long enough and your brain turns like mine, my engine never runs off, you will struggle in the mind every now and again. You'll go through a valley. At one point or another, you'll come to the, the, a pivot of, uh, of roads where a road could turn and you don't know which way to go. That's a valley. Don't know which, which way to turn. Amen? You know, I think about this scripture in Matthew 14. Uh, I want you to turn there with me if you have your Bibles. Um, 
I will say that a lot, and that's just a nice way of saying bring your Bible to church. I'm kidding. Not really. Matthew 14, verse 22. Verse 22. And it says this. Then one was brought to him. Oh, 14, I'm sorry. Verse 22. Immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. I want you to pay attention to that. He sent them away. So Jesus is all-knowing. Does everybody know that? That means omniscient. He knows everything. So he knows he's about to, what he's about to send his disciples in. So he sends them away so he can send the multitude away. Verse 23 says, And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up to the mountain by himself to pray. Now when evening had come, he was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. In another version, it says it was boisterous, which means it was like a storm. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, it's a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter answered and said, Lord, if it's you, command me to come out on the water. So he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Verse 30. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid and began to sink. And he cried out saying, Lord, save me. Somebody say, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, oh, you a little faith. Why did you doubt? Now, here's why I'm here. Verse 32. And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Hmm. Jesus knew, Jesus knew that there was going to be a storm. He knew it. And he sent the disciples out into the middle of a storm knowing they were going to get in trouble. Have you ever felt that you've obeyed the Lord and ended up in trouble? I just feel like sitting down and closing the book. And, and here's, here's, what was, here's what stood out to me. is number one, he knew that they were going to run into trouble, even though they obeyed him. Number two is what I, the reason I believe is because he allowed the storm, possibly even created it to show what was in him. Because storms will reveal where you truly are. And what I found out in my Christian walk is that I'm never as far along as I think I am. And storms have a way to show you, do you really have faith? Do you really trust God? Are you really going to trust me in this? They will reveal where you truly are so that God can help you get to where you need to go because storms have a way of humbling you and giving you a reality check because when you're prideful and you're arrogant, God can't deposit any more in you, give you any more wisdom because you've capped out. Why do you think Satan and Lucifer got cast out of heaven? Because he capped out. He thought that he was God. He gets cast out because he couldn't receive any more. And it's a horrible thing in your walk with the Lord when you're in a position where you can't receive anymore. When you can't go any further. And the Lord wants to bring us further. But storms have a way of revealing what's in you. Somebody say, have a good attitude. Remind yourself that the valley won't last forever. Trouble don't last always. 
Joy comes in the morning. That's what the Bible says. Trouble will not last always. Joy comes in the morning. I want you to think with me for a second. What you're battling with right now, I want you to see yourself overcoming that valley. I want you to see that thing coming to an end. Two years ago, you were battling with something. Think about it. Are you still battling with that? It's possible. But generally, you get valley high experiences and I'm sorry, uh, uh, mountain high experiences and valley low experiences. Meaning you won't deal with what you're dealing with forever. This season too, this thing will pass. That's what the Bible says. This too shall pass. I want you to say that with me. This too will pass. And reminding yourself that your valley has an expiration date on it will give you great courage and great joy knowing that if the Lord brought me out of last season, he can bring me in to a, a brighter season. Amen, Amen to that. You know what I thought about this the other day? I, I truly, genuinely have about four major things that I'm battling with right now, currently, that have me, uh, a potential for me to go in a corner and cry. Pressure, issues, things going on, things that I can't control. Lord, I obeyed you and found myself in the middle of a storm. But I have vowed to this. I'm not going to give the devil the pleasure of seeing me be depressed while I go through my valley. I will not. I refuse. I will not. I decided early on in my walk, I'm not going to allow what's in the valley to get into me. I'm going to allow what's in me get into the valley because it's what you make of it. Is it half full or is it half empty? It's your perspective. Your attitude makes all the difference on how long your valley will last. In 2 Corinthians uh, chapter uh, 4, verse 8 through 10 um, I, I want you to read it with me, um, if you can. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's a simple message, but I really believe it's for somebody in here. Amen. So chapter 4, verse 8. It says this, We are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body the Lord Jesus Christ, that the life of Christ may be made manifest in our bodies. I want you to read verse 16. Actually, um, I'm going to read verse 16 through 18 as well. Yes. Verse 16 through 18 says this. Therefore, do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. Amen? That means this season will pass. Point number three, your valley is fixed. It's fixed. Now, I sent my notes to Keegan, who's our sound guy. Keegan's in the back. And he says, what do you mean fixed? Like broken, not broken? I said, no, it's fixed, meaning it's a win-win for you. Your valley is a setup. That's what, like a fixed fight. It says this in the Message Bible in verse 16 through 18. So we are not giving up. How could we? Even though the outside, it often looks like things are falling apart on us. On the inside, where God is making new life, not a day goes by without his unfolding grace. These hard times are but small potatoes compared to the coming good times, the lavish celebration prepared for us. There is far more here than what meets the eye. Your valley is fixed. 
Meaning God has put you in that valley to bring a champion out of you, to make you something out of you could not otherwise become unless you go through that specific valley in your life. Your valley is fixed. It's a win-win situation. Why do I say it's a win-win situation? The Bible says, if you believe the Bible, does everybody believe the Bible? It says we are preordained. We are preordained to win this thing if we decide to make Christ the Lord of our life. In my opinion, if Jesus is the Lord of your life, there's nothing that can pass through the gates of heaven and have the permission to come into your life unless God allows it. And if God allows it, it will serve his purpose. If it will serve his purpose, he will get you to the end of destination. And where, where we gotta be careful is we cannot judge at the starting line on what the end is is going to be like because God knows the end at the very beginning. So he set you up to win. The problem is, is the starting line. And we see this big valley in front of us like, Lord, I can't do it. There's too much pressure. This is too hard for me. I don't know what to do, but God sees the end at the beginning because he's put the stuff in you to win in life. He's put his Holy Spirit in you. The Bible says that the same spirit that raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in our mortal body. You have the stuff. I want you to look at somebody and say, you have the stuff. You have the goods to win this fight. It's a win-win situation. The reason why valleys are win-wins is because I got two options. Number one, I'm in this valley and it's gonna shape me and mold me into Christ's likeness. I'm gonna look like Jesus. Or number two, I, I climb up and I get on my mountaintop experience. It's a win-win situation, meaning there's no way here but to go but up. When you're in a valley, there's no more. You can't go any lower. The only, the only way to go is up. It's a win-win. Amen? So why not enjoy the journey? Amen? I don't know if you guys have seen this movie. It's called um, Peaceful Warrior. And there was this guy who was, um, he was being mentored. He was an Olympian. And I, I believe he got hurt and he could no longer compete in Olympics. And um, there's this guy mentoring him. And in the movie, it's kind of like a picture of how Christ would mentor us in our defeats. And the mentor from the very beginning of the movie is like, there's something I want to show you when you achieve this certain level, something special I really want to show you. And he brings this guy up on this mountain and it's a three hour hike and the guy is ecstatic. He's like, what do you got to show me? He's in the valley low of his life. His career is seemingly over and he's really enjoying this journey. And they get up to the top. And he says, okay, and they're overlooking the city. And he, he says to his uh, mentor, is this it? He said, yeah, that's pretty much, pretty much it. That's what I wanted to show you. He's like, well, it's a great view, but what'd you bring me three hours all the way up here for? He says, well, I just want to show you the view. And he couldn't believe that he spent three hours, invested three hours of his life through difficult terrain, sweat, blood, tears to make it to the top of this mountain. What's the point? The joy is in the journey, not in the mountaintop experience. Enjoy the moments in the valley because that's where God dwells the most. After all, streams don't run on mountaintops. They run in the valley. Amen? Streams run in the valleys of life, not on mountain peak moments of your life. I think about, and you can stand to your feet. I'd, I'd like to close here in just a moment. I like to think of how valleys are developed. What, why is a valley called a valley? A valley is called a valley because there's mountains on two sides. And I've heard it said, I've heard it said before that between two mountaintops is a valley. 
But the way that it's developed is developed so that when it rains, it receives, it receives all the water. And I thought about this morning when we were reading that about how Jesus is living water. He's like a stream of water or a fountain of water. And I thought about how streams run through valleys. People put too much emphasis on mountaintop experiences. In my opinion, you experience the Lord the most in the valley. In the valley. I think that he's revealed the most. It's where you receive great training. It's where you receive more of his grace. You know what? I want to come to a point in my life, and I hope that you guys want to come to this point too, that there, if I am broken, that there is so much brokenness that the first thing I do is fall on my knees and I cry out to God. And that's a dangerous Christian. Persons, people who go through situations and circumstances in their lives that their brokenness actually attracts the Lord. So I've come to a place in my life when I go through brokenness, the devil's really afraid to make bad things happen in my life. I feel that way because I know exactly where to run to. I've learned the art, who I, where my help comes from. Look to the hills from where our help comes from. Our help comes from the Lord. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope this message impacted you today. If you'd like to support Ascension Christian Center, simply go to ascensionchristiancenter.com and click the gift tab or text ACCFL to 77977. Interested in hearing more? Check back weekly for new messages. Have a great day.